Hi, this is Ben from Bainbridge Island. I just wanted to say as a sailor, I rely really heavily on GPS. Um, certainly plan to learn celestial navigation, but uh, until then, GPS is, is really a godsend. I just did my first trip, uh, coastal trip from San Diego to Seattle. And uh, GPS not only gives you real peace of mind, um, but it actually provides a real safety. You have reached your destination. You know, it's hard to imagine that in our own lifetimes, actual maps that you can hold in your hands will just vanish, replaced by GPS images and those voices all coming from digital screens. GPS's power as an American innovation is still muscling its way into every cultural nook and cranny. But that's how really great innovations work. In week two of the Takeaways search for America's greatest innovation, we're going to add GPS to the already nominated electric guitar, sewing machine, Kevlar, hearing aid, and the air conditioner. We have four more to pitch this week. And then on Friday, your selection, your listener wild card. You can see the full list and vote for your favorite or nominate your own at takeaway.org slash innovation. Can you imagine a world without GPS? It's getting harder and harder. Hi. I'm Christopher Catrimbone. I'm the co-founder of the Migrant Offshore Aid Station, or MOAS, and I spend most of my time at sea. The reason why I set up MOAS and why I want you to value GPS as much as I do has nothing to do with being able to easily find my nearest Starbucks. It has everything to do with the world's biggest refugee crisis since the end of the Second World War. As we speak, there are hundreds, probably thousands of refugees adrift at sea, These families don't often know where they are or where they're heading. GPS not only tells me where I am, but it also shows me and my team where we can safely take those we are able to rescue. Of course, you'll know GPS does so much more. This amazing system uses more than two dozen satellites in outer space, all equipped with transmitters and atomic clocks. But here's why I think the Global Positioning System is America's best innovation, Beyond its ability to pinpoint my exact location with incredible accuracy, GPS simply saves lives. It's an invention that can help us track down those in distress or caught up in a disaster faster than ever before. The minutes saved here, we know, can often make the difference between life and death. Turn right on the north side, drive southwest. The world's first GPS satellites were launched in 1978. Come 1993, the system was fully operational, and a few years later, GPS fundamentally changed the way we view our world when President Bill Clinton made the system available to the private sector, and it's the reason why you can navigate the planet from the palm of your hand. Recalculating. And even for those lost at sea, it will determine not just where they are, but where they are going. Chris Catrimbone for GPS. And you have your own nominees. Terry Brewster from Brewstertown, Tennessee. My nomination for the best U.S. innovation is the U.S. patent system that allows people besides those who get favor with the king to get a patent because without it, a lot of things would not have come about or they would have all been corporation products. This is Butch Clark in beautiful Euless, Texas. I thought about your innovations, and I thought you ought to consider judicial review as one of the greatest innovations of all time. It confirmed our three levels of government, something that's never seen before in history. And it's confirmed every day, every time we see the Supreme Court address another issue.
This is Gar in Seattle. My nomination for greatest invention ever, the bicycle. And then I would also put in painless dentistry. Visit thetakeaway.org slash innovation to formally nominate an invention for this challenge or vote for one you've heard on the air. Again, that's thetakeaway.org slash innovation and make your voice heard. Support for the search for America's greatest innovation is provided in part by the Lemelson Foundation. If humans make it to Mars, it will be on a ladder of technological innovations, some that preceded the first launch, some that have come after the space program, and many, many more yet to come. If you've seen the movie The Martian, actor Matt Damon has to improvise all kinds of technology to survive being stranded. His crew has to do the same to rescue him. Getting to Mars is very much the mission of the International Space Station right now. We spoke with two astronauts on the ISS, Scott Kelly and Shell Lindgren, last October. Shell has since returned home to Earth, but Scott is still completing his one-year mission, a lengthy experiment designed to see how the human body and the human mind can respond to innovations to condition it to handle being in outer space for long periods of time. Scott and Shell are natural space travelers and would love to be a part of a Mars mission. Station, this is Houston. Are you ready for the event? We are ready for the event. WNYC Radio, this is Mission Control Houston. Please call Station for a voice check. Station, this is WNYC Radio. How do you hear me? Hey, we have you loud and clear. How do you hear us? Sounds great. This is Chell, and Scott's here as well. All right, great. How's your day going? Uh, We're busy today. We're uh, doing a little bit of science, but mainly getting ready for the spacewalks that we have coming up uh, next week. And what will those spacewalks entail, Scott? Well, the one uh, next week, we refer to it as a space station upgrades. You know, some of the stuff is to improve the capability of the space station. We're going to run a bunch of cables that will allow for uh, commercial crew vehicles to someday dock with the space station. But in addition to that, we're doing some repairs of some things, um, There's this alpha magnetic spectrometer that's having some cooling issues. We're going to put some uh, insulating blankets on it, and uh, our robot arm has a sticky end effector that I'm going to lubricate, and we have some other activities in that spacewalk as well. Those sticky end effectors, I hate those. Yeah, they can be a problem. Well, I'm sure the view will be spectacular. You know, our motivation to talk with you, Chell and Scott, is all about innovation and the kinds of innovation that enables the International Space Station to operate. But it sounds like a lot of what you do is very low-tech improvisation and kind of make do with what you have. I don't know if that's the the right way to, uh, you know, characterize it. It's a pretty high-tech laboratory we have here and um, you know the systems that keep us alive are you know kind of state of the art the environmental control system we have takes our urine turns it into water we turn that water into oxygen we scrub uh, you know carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and uh, from the system that creates electricity we take that hydrogen and the oxygen from the co2 and then we make more water It's kind of this closed-loop system that's pretty incredible. From a science perspective, we have a uh, combustion rack that uh, every time I open the door, as I say, we're going to be working on the time machine because that's how 
sophisticated the thing looks. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, I wasn't uh, criticizing in any way. Uh, it, it just the way you're describing your experience up there. It's very human. This combination of state of the art technology and uh, state of the art ingenuity to keep systems going. That's what uh, humans have always done. And you just happen to be doing it in space. Yeah, so certainly there's uh, there's a lot of opportunity to be clever in how we keep things working, and uh, you know a lot of that cleverness goes on on the ground, and we just uh, you know execute their brilliant plans they come up with. Do you uh, use GPS up there? GPS technology? Can you see the global positioning satellites? Well, our attitude control system, how the space station is positioned not only in space but over the Earth, does use uh, GPS technology, um, GPS receivers. We aren't able to see those GPS satellites. Those are in a much higher orbit, and unfortunately we don't have many great windows looking up. Most of our windows are scientific windows looking down at the Earth. Describe the year mission, the one-year mission, and the extent to which studying how long you can take space travel and a weightless environment is going to bear on our ability to go to places like Mars. So a trip to Mars is going to be much longer. It's going to be, uh, you know, maybe six months getting there, a long time on the surface, and then a similar amount of time coming back. So we need to better understand the effects of this environment on our physiology, on our bone mass, muscle mass, on our vision, uh, the radiation effects on us on a, a genetic level. And the space station has incredible capability to, uh, to do imaging, to collect data, the stuff we're going to need to know to, to make that trip. So, um, you know, that's what this flight is about, uh, trying to understand the physical effects, but also the psychological effects of being up here for a long time. You know, not being able to go outside for, uh, for a year is... Uh, not necessarily the easiest thing I'm ever going to do, but it's uh, you know part of what we need to to understand better if we are going to set foot on Mars someday, and we will. It's uh, you know it's just going to you know take us some learning and uh, you know some more experience to get there. What's the most amazing thing about the station, uh, both of you? In a, in a short answer, the thing that uh, really is 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 a testimony to humanity's ability to innovate. Well, for me, you know, just getting to live and work up here, uh, even in the short time that I've been here, to see this uh, incredible laboratory that has been up here with people living and working in it for almost 15 years now, and it continues to serve as a a scientific platform for studies that are going to not only help us get uh, further deeper into space, but also to help uh, improve life on the ground, I think is, uh, is an amazing thing, and it's an incredible thing to be a part of. And for you, Scott? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we put this thing together while hurtling around the Earth at 17,500 miles an hour in a vacuum in extremes of uh, temperature in this radiation environment where, you know, astronauts and cosmonauts went outside and, uh, you know, bolted these modules together, some of which were never connected on the ground. And the fact that we did this as an international partnership, you know, using different standards of engineering and, uh, you know, how we measure things and, you know, how we do things is just a... uh, testament i think to the ingenuity of uh you know us as a species well very very impressive scott kelly and uh, chell lindgren uh thanks so much this is wnyc uh thank you station our pleasure
Shell Lindgren, flight engineer of Expeditions 44 and 45 to the International Space Station. And Scott Kelly is the U.S. astronaut participating in the one-year mission where he and his Russian cosmonaut, Mikhail Komenyenko, plan to spend 342 days on the International Space Station.